in life really and some and i find myself hung you know myself this all the time where it's like oh my gosh like i can't believe like my flight just got canceled and i'm that's gonna have a ripple effect on now i have to reschedule this meeting and you know my dog needs a little bit of that whatever and then all of a sudden it's like oh, okay I, that's out of my control let's just just make it to the next you know so uh that that is th that mindset that i think was something instilled in me that i, I think applies to, to, to anybody really all right, ladies and gentlemen, we're back at it. This is your host, JT, and if you're hearing this, you have once again tuned in the Consequence of Habit podcast. I am having such a hard time saying that lately. I need a new tagline. I need, I, need, I need something new to open it up. Maybe somebody hit me up. Let me know. Give me some ideas. Hey, before we get this episode started, I want to... I want to announce that, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've danced around this for a bit now, this whole idea of, of Team Consequence of Habit. Uh, people competing, uh, well, we're supporting them doing whatever it is they're doing, whether it's competing and in, in running, biking, climbing, whatever it is. Uh, so we'll be taking applications for that soon. But in the meantime, if you're an individual, a company, somebody that wants to support that, uh, or he, at least if somebody just wants to hear more about it, they want to sit down and have a conversation with us. Uh, well, that that is something that would uh, 100% be open to and look forward to. So Check us out at consequenceofhabit.org. From there, you can see our email. Hit us up or just go to our social. We got some posts out about it right now. So uh, this episode, you know, sometimes you got to know when it's to step aside. This week, we are joined. When I say we, you'll understand why. Uh, this week, we are joined by Alex West. Alex is a retired Navy SEAL. He's also the founder of One More Wave. And when I was... I was actually approached by one of our board members, Chris Norris, and Chris is a retired Navy chief. And he said, hey, you should have this, this Navy guy on. And I didn't have to do too much thinking to think, man, well, maybe he should do it. <laughs> like, they're going to tell, they're going to, there's going to be some Navy talk. They, they know each other. They, they've been in the same circle. So this week, Mr. Chris Norris is taking the helm here. He's going to be running the podcast. I am. I'm just shooting this intro. That's it. So with that, I'm out. If you're listening to this and you enjoy a high quality beer, I don't care what kind of beer it is. It could be a light beer. It could be an IPA. It could be stout, quarters, whatever it is. And I want to ask yourself, has my love of really good beer been the root cause of feeling like crap the next day? I'm not talking about completely hungry. Maybe just, maybe just a little under the weather. I got the solution. Check out athleticbrewing.com. These guys are making the finest quality craft beers out there. They just don't have that poison in them. So whether you're just trying to show up as a parent, as an employee at a sporting event, whatever it is, you just want to be clear-headed. Or maybe like me, you just want to be sober. Well, then do yourself a favor. Go to athleticbrewing.com. Use the promo code capital COH20, and you're going to get 20% off your first order. Alex, thanks for coming on, man. I'm glad to have you here. I'm honored to speak with you today. How you doing? Hey, Chris. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, it's so cool to be able to do a podcast with an old friend, especially, you know, you're in Thailand. So this is uh, really cool for me. And, uh, and I look forward to our conversation. today. Yeah, for sure, man. Uh, I appreciate you coming on. So uh, I guess we'll just take it from the beginning, man. I, I read your bio. It says you were born in uh, South Africa. That's pretty dang interesting. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. My my parents, who are American, were expats, so they were living overseas before I was born. 
they lived in Saudi Arabia and then they were uh, moved to Lesotho, actually, which is, if you're unaware, the only country in the world completely surrounded by another country being South Africa. So it's a yeah. small African kingdom, <laughs> mountain kingdom. And my my father moved there because he was working for the World Water Project. So trying to get water to a billion people is a big initiative in the 70s and early 80s. And my mom was a school teacher. And so, uh, yes, yeah, so they moved to Lesotho and I was born in South Africa, which is right across the, the border, um, just because at the time the hospitals were better in South Africa. So my parents drove me across uh, the Masero Bridge and had me just at a Lady Brand, which is a little border town with South Africa and Lesotho. Dude, that's amazing. Like, no, I had no idea. <laughs> and that's amazing. So it's like, I mean, it'll lead into other things later on in, in the in the show here. But like, that's amazing that you come from that background of like, uh, as I see it, like altruism, like from the start, like it's it's bred into you, you know, with your dad being into the oh, water project and your mom's a teacher. That's, that's pretty cool. And when you said South Africa, I was like, I, I picture like surfing in great white sharks. That's just me. But right. now, yeah. now you say like, no, I was born in this mountain kingdom. And now I'm like, wow, that's, yeah. even, that's even cooler. <laughs> yeah, that's what most people think of, you know, like Cape Town or they think of, yeah, great whites. But uh, yeah, it was in the Orange State, which is kind of like the northern central area of South Africa, up in the, yeah, up in the mountains. And so it, uh, yeah, it was just, uh, I don't, you know, we left there when I was about five and uh, bounced around to Pennsylvania. That's where my parents were from. And then moved to Cairo, Egypt. Um, my dad working for picked up another job uh, in wastewater kind of uh, stuff for Cairo, the city of Cairo. And my mom also continued as a school teacher. And we were just talking before the show about how your daughter is looking to get an international school. I actually went to an international school in Cairo, and um, and then from there moved to of all th- of all places when I was ten, uh, Kansas City. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very similar to Cairo, Egypt, and Kansas. Barbecue, I heard, is about the same. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, barbecue is good. But yeah, so talk about being, uh, you know, uh, sticking out a little bit. uh, You know, when you show up uh, in fifth grade and people are like, "So where are you from?" And it's like, "I'm Tommy from Nebraska." (laughs) You know, I'm, you know, I'm Susie from Oklahoma, and then you know, I'm, you know, like I'm Alex from who knows all over the the dang place. So. It was uh, certainly like a the juxtaposition of growing up overseas like that, and then you know like middle class Midwest yeah. America. So, uh, but I'm I'm fortunate for for all of it. I you know I feel yeah. fortunate to have that experience. So, so the, so you stayed in Kansas City through your middle school, junior high, and into high school, and then how did you end up in the Navy? I mean, how how did that transpire? Isn't that the question we all ask ourselves? <laughs> right, right. But it's because there's always a good story behind it. Like, yeah. how the hell did you get here? Did you get lost? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, pretty much. I'm, I'm always lost. But I, um, <laughs> when I was a junior in high school, my my first cousin, Pete Scobell, who's, um, I don't know if you ever. Yeah, I know Pete Scobell. Yeah. I know yeah, Pete yeah. Scobell. So, as, I, as I used to call him Mr. Scobell, and now he's like country music. Yeah, exactly. Scobell. I know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Wow. And, um, so. <laughs> Yeah, he was my first cousin, and we were, um, you know, really close, and we were really similar in a lot of our interests, and um, and so we were more so I, I'd consider us like brothers than just cousins. Yeah. And so my junior year in high school, he was graduating buds, um, so you know the the basic underwater demolition SEAL school. So you know, getting through SEAL training, 
And so my mom was like, we have to go out to California to, you know, to support your cousin. And I remember being like, okay, that's kind of cool, whatever. You know, I'd seen the movie Navy Seals with Charlie Sheen. So I thought it was, I was like, oh, this is cool. Maybe, you know, who knows what's going to happen. So we went out there and I was really kind of impacted by the graduation. I was impacted by meeting his friends, seeing how close all those guys were with each other. And kind of, I, I don't know, it just really, uh, it spoke to me at a, at a young age where I was like, wow, that, that could be an option, you know, perhaps like give it a shot um when i was yeah. you know a junior so that uh kind of instilled in me and i was like yeah when it came time to uh you know graduate high school and i was like well you know what am i gonna do am i gonna try to like walk on to the junior college baseball team <laughs> am i gonna try to you know I, I don't know get a job am i gonna try to go to a local college who, who knows you know these were yeah. you know standard things that kids are you know deal with like who am i which i think i'm still doing right now but regardless uh that that was more exciting to me this you know pre 9-11 too yeah, so this is like the late '90s. You know, Clinton's in office, Pearl Jam's on the radio, and so, <laughs> so uh, essentially, I, you know, I was, that, that was exciting to me, at least to to give it a shot. So I ended up joining right out of high school. Wow! So and you joined with the intention you went straight to Buds after Great Lakes. Well, I, I yes, I didn't have it in my contract. I went to um, Radio Men A School, which okay, uh, so you did do a you had to do a source rating first or something, right? Okay, yeah, I had to do in those days for the listeners. You had to have, uh, yeah, source rating meaning like a job within the Navy yeah. um, that you could pick from a list uh, to go to Buds, and then if it didn't work out, then you would just you know you get kicked up to the Navy, and you'd have like for me it was a Radio Man, which was kind of the precursor to IT, I suppose. It, yeah. Um, and so, excuse me. So I, you know, my options were if I didn't make it, you know, I'd probably be working in an IT shop or you know, yeah. communication shop on a ship, you know, somewhere in the Navy. Right. And and I'm sure it, and, and during Buds, they probably pointed that out to you every now and again. Did they ever like point out to sea and like show you the ship out there? Oh, yeah. like, That's where you're going to be if you fucking quit, uh, Alex West. Totally. <laughs> yeah. And, and trust me, there were times I'm like, eh, that doesn't look too bad. Doesn't look that bad. <laughs> uh, so you're smell, not like you smell chow. It doesn't smell that bad. I got to go there. <laughs> totally. Yeah, it's like uh, you know. Yeah, certainly. Like you know, when you're hypothermic and you're just feeling really sorry for yourself, and yeah. you know, and you're just like, what am I doing with my life? It's like, yeah, I could just be chilling, learning some you know tech stuff on a ship, maybe travel, you know, join the navy, see the world. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All those things. Yeah, but. You know, when you're 19 uh, or 18 or whatever I was, yeah, both when I was in Buds, it yeah. was, uh, yeah, that that was certainly an option. <laughs> so, so I, I got to ask, because, like, I, I think Bud stories are some of the greatest stories. Do you have any cool, like, Bud stories you'd want to share? Oh, my gosh, yeah, there's a bunch. <laughs> okay, yeah, I have one right off the top of my head. Okay. So I remember there's this uh, phase of training called Hell Leaf. So you go about five and a half days where you get about four-ish hours of sleep um, total. And so, you know, it's horrible. And so you're, the whole time you're in and out of the ocean, you're running around with these boats bouncing off your head, strolling around logs. It's just, they just keep you going the whole time. Anyway, so about Wednesday-ish, you start um, like hallucinating, just straight up. You're just like, you're like, wow, there's all sorts of crazy stuff going on just because of your body. I guess that's what the body does after not getting sleep after a few days. And so I remember we're paddling um, our, our little inflatable boat around the San Diego Bay. And I'm just sitting there I'm paddling. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I'm talking to one of the guys. I'm like, do you see that on the bay? And he's like, what are you talking about? 
I'm like, there is a very attractive woman, you know, ice skating on top of on the pit. Do not see her. And the guy's like, shut up and paddle. And I was like in this zone, I'm like, oh my God. I was like, just nerd alert over here. Like, you guys don't see that. And they're like, all right, you need to just, uh, there's like almost an intervention on our boat. Like, Alex, you need to really <laughs> shut up. <laughs> like, this is annoying. So, you know, there was stuff like that. And it's yeah. just, um, yeah, little, little, I mean, there's all sorts of, now that I think about all sorts of crazy, funny little stories where, yeah. you know, you're, you're made, they make sure you know you're not cool in that place and you definitely aren't cool. So yeah. you're always messing stuff up and you're always pulled and you're always hurting. And, yeah. Uh, but it is a great experience, you know, and you, you, uh, you have some great bonds with a lot of the guys. Like I'm still friends with, uh, you know, one of my best buddies actually, uh, Robin Miller, he lives kind of right down the street from me. We've stayed close friends ever since then. And so, um, you know, yeah. amongst other guys that I've stayed close with. I think a lot of that goes into like what we talk about with consequence of habit is, you know, that connection, purpose and challenge. And like you, you yes. found, like you found your purpose and your connection through going through these mutual suck fest of challenges, you know, like buzz, or like the training and like the deployments that follow on and such. Um, but I'm curious to, to, to know too, is like, what kept you going through all that? Did you like, what was your intrinsic motivation to, to, to suck it up? Oh and continue? I, I think there's a couple of things. One, um, I was just so young. I didn't really i was just going for it you know what i mean like right. i i used to always joke like well i didn't even know you were allowed to quit <laughs> of course <laughs> like that's an option <laughs> but, but of course that that's not the truth the, the, you know the instructors are, are making sure that uh they you know the whole time so I, I think there was that i think there was uh you know just the like you said the purpose of having a goal and just really wanting to um to accomplish that goal you know i didn't want to i know when i left my my hometown of Overland Park, Kansas, you know, a lot of my network of friends, everybody's like, you're, what are you doing? This is crazy. Cause it went against, like I said, you know, everybody would either, you know, go to community college or college or get a job or trade school or, you know, standard, yeah. I guess, American life. Right. And, right. And, I, and for me at the time, pre nine 11, you know, was kind of like, that was kind of wild. So I, I didn't want to just, I don't know. I wanted to set out and accomplish the goal. And I think, yeah, to your point, like the, the purpose of just um, having that goal and the excitement and just to accomplish it. I was really drawn to, um, you know, allegedly it's, you know, one of the tougher schools in the military. So I wanted to be able to, to accomplish that. And, and thankfully I did, but I will say the one thing that I uh, took on board, which I think applies to life when life gets really tough is uh, all you have to do when things are tough is just make it to the next meal. <laughs> Mm. And, and what I mean by that is like, let's say you're having a rough morning at work, you know, when the sky, you know, the sky's falling, everything is, is piling up where, uh, you know, you name it, when it rains, it pours, bad stuff's happening. Well, when that happens, you know, just, if you can make it to that next to lunch, just like, don't overthink it, every, you know, and that's the same with buds where it's like, oh my gosh, this, you know, we're getting surf torture, which means we're in the water, interlocked arms and we're all getting, you know, uh, hypothermia <laughs> together where it's like, oh, it has to end at some point. So, and if you don't think like, oh, it's a six month program, I'm only on week one. If you start thinking like, oh my gosh, I, you know, another five months and three weeks of this, where it's like, okay, no, don't think of that because it's overwhelming. Just, and it feels like unattainable, but if you just make it to lunch or dinner or breakfast, whatever it is, it's just like that, that makes it, a, you know, attainable. And then when you get to that meal, then you just, you know, okay, the next goal is to make, let's say you make it to lunch, the next goal is make it to dinner. And I think that's important with, 
in life really and some and i find myself telling you know myself this all the time where it's like oh my gosh like i can't believe like my flight just got canceled and i'm that's gonna have a ripple effect on now i have to reschedule this meeting and you know my dog needs to go to the vet whatever and then all of a sudden it's like okay i that's out of my control let's just just make it to the next meal so uh that that is that mindset i think was something instilled to me that i I think applies to 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 anybody really yeah, then that's very applicable for for everyday life, man. It's, and it reminds me a lot of like just mindfulness of like trying to stay in the moment and stay in the okay. stay in the. As I say, like I apply it to like I run these ultra marathons for fun, you know, and so yeah. really like beat I down. And I think like, hey, I can't like when you know, just like you said, if I'm at mile twenty three and I know I've got seventy seven more miles to go, it's like oh, oh, that God. seems overwhelming. <laughs> but can I make it another three miles to the next aid station? You know, and then really I try to break it down even further, like just stay in the mile, stay in the moment, stay in the footfall. Uh, for me, my, you know, my experience has been as many others is that like I tend to get like kind of crazy in my head if I'm if I'm wallowing in the past or I'm living in the future. But if I'm right here right now, like shit, man, I've never had it so good, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, dude, that's so crazy that you're that you're into the ultra marathon. I want to hear a lot more about that. <laughs> um, that is a perfect example though uh yeah I, I i've never done anything like that yeah. so like that's a perfect example of that where it's like I, I would assume you know that yeah that could feel so overwhelming on mile one maybe or you know right in the beginning mm-hmm. and then uh you know but to just kind of work to the next aid station that's the mm-hmm. you know exact same concept and if that feels overwhelming you know maybe you're like okay i'm gonna run up to that like just get to that tree or yeah. you know a couple hundred yards like if everything it's so overwhelming it's like okay just get to the next step whatever yeah. you know if, if that feels you know just kind of continue to break it down and yeah. and i and before you know it I, I would assume you know you're at the finish line or you're getting through your your tough day or your you know or your tough week or whatever you, you know the stuff that you're working through yeah no exactly and, and you really i also realized from doing things like that and just as in life is like how much your attitude has an effect on what's going on just that if i can keep a positive mindset you know and a positive attitude and uh you know as a, a smile on my face and a song in my heart no matter what's going on and it's like it carries me through so like i've had my my best races were races where like I stopped and took selfies with people on the side of the course and pet dogs, you know, and like oh, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, then I ran, and then I ran like a 10 hour and 47 minute, hundred kilometer race, you know, and that's like incredible. Wow. <laughs> and during that, I'm like taking <laughs> and, and petting dogs and joking and laughing. But if I go out and I just try to like, I'm going to do really well today. I'm going to smoke the competition. I'll like burn out and like just fail completely. So it's like attitude, yeah. so much to do with it, you know, and uh, as is life. But yeah, cool, man. Um, so you get out of buds, you 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 get to the SEAL teams. Um, we eventually run into each other uh, during a uh, training course um, on the yep. East Coast. Um, some, uh, you know, <laughs> I gotta say is like one of the one of the things I remember about that training course, and I don't know if you remember it or not, but there was a, a rather large hurricane sized wave that was coming <laughs> in and one day, and I think you were you were throttling one of the yep. boats. Uh, do you, do you uh, I uh yeah <laughs> I totally I, was it with that Oregon Inlet I believe in North Carolina if, if something that, like if, that yeah something, it was one of the yeah, uh, something like that I might be I might be off but yeah hurricane rolling through and yeah, yeah we were all like learning how to drive these ridiculous boats and um and I remember this just this swell this it wasn't a wave I guess it was just like a big swell coming in and yeah. and I remember as we 
turned out of the channel and I remember looking and seeing the waves and the sea was so angry. <laughs> and I remember just thinking like, I can't believe they're making us drive in this shit. <laughs> But, you know, you don't want to be thought of as, you know, what? So it's like, all right. And, and as the throttle men, so basically, for anybody who doesn't know, uh, with three guys, one guy that was, you know, the behind the wheel, one guy that was working the, the radar and the navigation systems, and one guy doing the throttle. So, you know, giving it ga- the engine gas to go fast or slow. Anyway, I was that guy. And, <laughs> and I remember we had this, like, instructor that we, who was a very intimidating, tattooed, like a biker gang type guy and he was the guy like breathing down my neck basically telling me not to be a pussy <laughs> and i was like all right you know like i don't want to let him down and so i i was throttling and i miscalculated one of these waves and i don't want to be too hard on myself it was pretty challenging and, yeah. and i just launched it and we were joking because as as i launched off the wave completely airborne i remember we were all like ah I had to take another breath. As the boat is just in suspended animation through the hill, and we hit, so, dude, we hit so hard that um, you know, if, if the engine went out, everybody got all messed up. Um, I think you know, they, they talk about like just hurt. I like pretty much hurt everybody in the boat. Yeah. But it got worse because all of a sudden, the now we were getting pushed into or starting to get pushed into the jetty. And now the other boats are coming in to where they're trying to tow us out. And it was a, a big mess. And I don't know, Chris, if it was you or if it was uh, Josh, that Josh. the mechanic. Josh, okay, yeah, I, I can't. It's years ago. So, yeah, uh, And I remember he came in and was just this guy we used to work with was yeah. like Chris, a total wizard with uh, the engines. And I, I was like just still learning. So I'm looking at the engines. It was my fault. It was kind of my responsibility. I'm just like, uh, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Thankfully, we have these like crack mechanics that came in. He was able to kind of save the day, and, and we were yeah. able to limp out of there. But uh, yeah, yeah, so, I'll never, I'll never forget the image, man, because I was behind you and I saw the waves, <laughs> and I was like, "Whoa, these are some big rollers!" And they're literally probably fifteen foot rollers. And then I okay. saw your boat go over the wave, and then you were easily five to six feet above the wave, a fifteen foot wave, and then the boat just yeah. dropped away. And then it, and then like you were in the trough between the waves, and you couldn't even see the boat. And then I was like, "Oh my god!" And then you know, I think we heard comms coming over of problems, and the boat landed so yeah. hard that I believe it turned off all the battery switches, and that's what killed yeah. the engines. And the navigation system fell out, and that really yeah. scary biker instructor, uh, you ripped, uh, you ripped <laughs> his toenail off. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, he, he was wearing flip He was wearing flip flops. Yeah, he was wearing flip flops. Oh my god. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the guy, I call him. Yeah, call me not to be. Yeah, he was wearing flip flops. Exactly. It's, um, I remember, so he would give us, you know, he was kind of, I wouldn't say like he was a, I wouldn't say a bully per se, but he was definitely had an intimidation factor yeah. going on. and he would, uh, give guys, make them wear bling. I don't know if you remember, he would call it bling. So yeah, yeah. if somebody messed up, like, you know, uh, pumping the engines and, you know, he would make them wear components of the engine, like on a string or, you know, a piece yeah. of cord around the neck. And so, you know, he would present it, make it all, like, he had a good sense of humor, you know, like, uh, in front everyone like here's the engine part that you messed up you have to wear this around your neck for i don't know a few days or whatever it was and uh and he called me up for his 
and he he put around my neck uh, his toenail, <laughs> and I remember as I as I'm, as I'm pulling it, he put it on a piece of uh, dental floss, right? Yeah. And as I'm trying, and he didn't make the 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 uh, I guess the lanyard long enough to get around my head, so as I'm pulling yeah, it, was, it, was it was scraping head, down your face. I can feel it scraping down my cheek. It's just old <laughs> cheesy toenail, just like that. <laughs> Yeah, and I remember that that night we all went out, and I ripped it off because like, I could smell it out on the ocean. I'm like, that, this is ridiculous. I don't care if I get beat up. <laughs> Threw it in the ocean, and I remember it came back, and he's like, "Where's my toenail?" And I told him it bounced off in the ocean. He's like, "Good for you." <laughs> that was disgusting. <laughs> yeah, man, great stories, man. Yes, yeah, there's some great stories. You're only, you're only going to get that in the Navy, probably. <laughs> and with oh like, yeah, yeah. That, yeah, that, that wouldn't that, fly. Yeah. HR, HR would have a problem with that. Your standard company. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. No, it's funny. Um, we, I don't know if we were talking about this before. When I first got out of the Navy and started working in business, uh, every time I'd hear HR, I always thought of hostage rescue. <laughs> so people were like, "Yeah, go down to the HR department." I'm like, oh, the "Hostage you guys rescue." Hostage department. rescue department. Like, oh, That's kind of strange. Yeah, but like, like, wow, this is. I thought I got out of the Navy, but uh, yeah, it turns out it's not. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny, man. So. Uh, as I read your bio, dude, uh, man, 15 combat deployments, Alex, that's a little yeah. extreme. <laughs> yeah, it was extreme. I, I, I often wonder what the, what was I thinking? Um, but as, as you know, Chris, just coming from the same community, uh, you know, it was, it was, that's what people were doing. It was trying to get overseas as much as possible, trying to gain as much experience. Um, and then, you know, you wanted to, to be the guy on the off. It's just, uh, and it, it sounds crazy now as I'm just kind of chilling, drinking a cup of latte at my house. But um, in that, you know, era, it was uh, an exciting time to be a part of, uh, you know, the spec ops community. But it, it was kind of like the, the culture of it was like, just get overseas, keep getting more and more. So, <clears throat> yeah, it, before you knew it, it was, you know, if, if you were willing, and for me, you know, I was single for a long time I mean, because probably I was on so many deployments that, mm -hmm. um it was just easy and that and that's what you did you just uh you know you know you just kept deploying and before you know it it, it just that's with life we used to joke uh that we were overseas so much that you know we needed to take vacations back to the states <laughs> so you know and uh yeah but yeah it was a lot and uh, and i often wonder you know uh, like yeah could i have just done with maybe like five and been good <laughs> you know yeah. maybe a handful but you know that hindsight yeah, you know, and I and yeah, I appreciate that. It's like it's a really unique community, and we're really I was blessed to be part of it. Is like you know, it's it's unique to be in a room full of guys where they're all chomping at the bit to to do the job and to get down range and to put themselves in harm's way. It's like it's an what an amazing group of uh, of of people. So um, yeah, it was crazy, man. When I, when I think back on it, yeah, absolutely. You know, especially you know, a lot of guys were getting, you know, hurt and, you know, sadly killed. And so it's like, and in those same, that environment, guys were like, let's just keep going. And, uh, which is kind of crazy when I, now that I'm a civilian, I look back on it, it's like, wow, what a, yeah, what a unique group of guys. And yeah. I also feel, feel fortunate, you know, to be a part of it. And, you know, yeah. it's just crazy. We're going to take a pause right here to talk about the Patriot Fund. Patriot Fund is a 501c3 nonprofit benefiting the veteran community. So whether you're active duty, guard, reserve, a veteran, or the family of any of the above, these guys have been financially supporting other nonprofits to bring amazing things to these communities uh, to include Consequence of Habit. So please check them out at the Patriot Fund. 
www.thepowerofthenameofjesus.org. So maybe some of, I mean, we, we can look back now and, and, and hindsight's 2020 is like maybe some of the coping mechanisms that go along with the trauma that we experienced through that type of stuff. Yeah. Not the healthiest, right? You know, I mean, I remember right. being told by, uh, you know, a big burly, gnarly master chief with a scar on his face when I first got overseas was like, you know, that you're going to do things here and you're going to see things here and going to be part of things here that you can never talk about with anybody. And you're just going to have to lock that stuff away. And I was just like, okay, okay. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. I'm tracking, yeah. I'm tracking, you know, and, yeah. and not really knowing anything, knowing what I know now. I'm like, well, that's, that's probably not the healthiest way to go about things. And yeah. that's going to manifest its way into, into weird, uh, you know, maladaptive coping mechanisms. So yes. yeah. <clears throat> So what yeah, was, I agree. You know, there's a culture. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. There's go ahead. A, a culture, a culture or a stigma of you know not seeking mental health. I remember coming back from deployments. I'm sure you do too. And you fill out these what PCL five questionnaire, basically a PTSD um, questionnaire to see like where you're at on like the spectrum of PTSD. And I remember you know having you know certainly like symptoms of all of it, but just going right down the list of like nothing, 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 nothing because. You know, you had to see this, the psychologist when you got home and you want to make it quick, like a five minute arm bed. Yeah, yeah no, no worries. Whatever. I just drink a 12 pack every night. I'm just kidding. You wouldn't tell them that. Right, right. Like that was the reality, you know, self numbing. And before you knew it, it's like you didn't want to say you don't want to be the guy that was, you know, taken offline, which we wouldn't have anyway, in my opinion, if you would have um, disclosed kind of what you're feeling. But that was the culture, it, like what that mass chief was doing. It was I had similar experiences where it was like, don't talk to the psychs, just suck it up and right. just keep powering forward. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, so I think, I think it goes back to the thought of like, you don't want to be the liability. You know what I mean? You want to be an asset. Yes. So if you go to mental health, yes. like in my mindset was like, if I go to mental health and tell them I'm struggling, now I'm a liability. Now I'm not going to be going down range anymore and I'll no longer be an asset. And plus that it's also like, um, an outsider coming in, like, like if they're not attached to the command or something of that nature, you know, like they, I'm not talking to them about that stuff. Like that's, right. that's, we don't, we don't talk about things outside the, outside the rooms, you know? So yeah, it's all that. And then I think it's also, you know, the, uh, rugged individualism of, of society, you know, especially in American society where we're especially males, we just don't talk about things like that. And I think that's, right. That has to change, and I think uh, guys like you and guys like myself are, are bringing that change around. So I think it's a uh, I think yeah. it's a good thing. Um, so lots of deployments, successful career in the Navy. You get out, and uh, how was how was your transition out? How did that go? Oh, it was pretty tough. So when I got out, I, I took a job uh, at a company that was doing tactical training for SWAT teams around the country. So, and we were also doing active shooter drills and, um, you know, and for me, it was, I didn't have, uh, that was like my only like real job offer right out the gates. And so I, and I took it, which looking back on it, I probably would have been better served if I would have just taken a few months and just, you know, tranquilo, just, just chill out, just right. relax. Just go to Thailand. Kind of, yeah. Go to Thailand. Exactly. <laughs> you know, maybe not get into uh, like hundred mile races. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, just you know, pick up some hobbies. But um, yeah, so I, as soon as I retired, I took that job because it was comfortable for me. I came from my last tour in the Navy was a training department, um, you know, doing uh, kind of like SWAT team type stuff. So, uh, you know, I went, I was very current as instructing, not just doing, but instructing. So the transition as far as the job was concerned was, was pretty easy. 
And uh, I don't mean it like easy, like, oh, but I just mean like it was very familiar. And so I, uh, you know, did that, you know, bounced all over the country. It was really cool helping uh, SWAT teams become, you know, more effective because it's safer for them. It's safer for the communities, that whole thing. But I, uh, when I was doing that, a lot of my own mental health um, issues started popping up because I was getting like triggered by like blank fire or having to repeat a story of the reason why you don't do this tactic because I saw this happen. So it's just, before I knew it, it was just, I was stuck in this, like, you know, my sympathetic nervous system was like always on, on like fight. Right. So I was always ramped up and it was continuing to ramp up and, uh, you know, I, about a year and a half. In, and then also the active shooter stuff. And this is, you know, going to companies and helping with these big drills and it just was not good for mental health. Right. Mm-hmm. And so about a year and a half in, I ended up resigning because I was like, I need to focus on my mental health. I need to, it just wasn't a good fit. And also it wasn't really that uh, challenging. And I find that like that purpose that you were kind of talking about before where, and I think, you know, you should always be like a, a learning, you know, or challenging yourself or being the new guy or just like, uh, I, I don't, you know, being kind of humbled. And what I was doing was just like, I, you know, just I had so many reps in that type of world that it was just kind of easy. It was fun to some extent but it was not the juice wasn't worth the squeeze for me mm. no knock on the company or whatever you know in their job i just I, I was good and so i about a year and a half in i ended up resigning uh from that job right i resigned february 28th 2020 and then COVID hit two weeks later oh my goodness <laughs> so i had more than enough time to just figure out where i needed to go in life after that so yeah Yes. And so and where you did go after that, is this is that where surfing and the nonprofit comes in? Can you can you talk about how that whole thing yeah. came about? Yeah. Well, when I was still active duty um, back in 2015, uh, I started I was volunteering for the uh, Balboa Naval Hospital's uh, uh, health and wellness surf clinic, which essentially what that was, was a program where for active duty service members, if there were a patient at Balboa Hospital, Lots of like at the time amputees or you know maybe training accidents, but combat accident you know are being wounded, and they were teaching. There was a six week program I believe where every Thursday they would surf with them and teach them how to surf and get outside, and they bring in all these great instructors. And so I started volunteering because I was a surfer and just helping out. And I recognized that there was uh, a lot of these amputees, especially, didn't have any of the boards were adapted to their injuries. Mm. Right. So like handles or just like the shape of the board was more for like the able-bodied person. And so I thought like, hey, I'd like to start a nonprofit. Uh, long story short, I ended up doing that in 2015. It's called One More Wave. And yeah. we make uh, you know, customized surfing solutions for wounded or injured veterans, customized their injury. And we also have chapters. Uh, so we get together and surf. Uh, we have a chapter in San Diego, one in Oahu, Hawaii, and one in Surf City, North Carolina. And actually one that's getting ready to form up in Virginia Beach. Um, but that's, uh, I, yeah, I started that in, in 2015 and then it was just slowly was growing and then, uh, retired in 2018. And then, uh, when I took the job, you know, I moved to of all places, Nashville. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, it's, it's a, crazy, it's like, a good surf spot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, every, yeah. People don't realize like it is pumping out here. <laughs> Maybe with country music and barbecue, but, uh, that's a whole other story. But, uh, essentially, you know, I, when I resigned from this job, uh, with that active shooter SWAT team stuff, uh, you know, it was out here in Nashville. We, we stayed out here, but, um, I'm back at running one more wave remotely. Um, we have a, I have a great team, uh, 
out in San Diego where we're headquartered. And so, uh, you know, a lot of my job for the nonprofit is administrative. So it's, you know, uh, fundraising and, uh, and just, you know, bookkeeping, you know, all sorts of just like admin stuff. And so it's, I can do that remotely and I'm able to travel to San Diego. I was actually in Hawaii last week uh, for an adaptive surf championship. So I'm able to get on the road and, and still be around, uh, but not surfing as much as I'd like. Yeah, I saw, I saw, I caught some of that on social media uh, out in Hawaii, and then I also saw that you have you have athletes that are trying to get on Team USA. Is that correct? With yes. as well? Yeah, yeah, we sure do. We actually have four, and uh, yeah, we have some world champions, uh, and uh, you know uh, Jose Martinez, Amanda Bedorf. Uh, you know, we have other members. You know, they're on Team USA, Carter Hellas, um, and so yeah, we have all sorts of yeah. And we're making boards for them because what I always thought was like when looking at adaptive athletes, uh, you know, they start off lots of times where just like on a very basic surfboard and very basic surf conditions, and then you get them in a basic wave. But like any sport, whether it's like skiing, let's say you start off on the bunny slopes and it's like your your skis are like pizza slice french fries, you know, it's kind of like getting out, you know, just kind of doing your basic skiing. But then, you know, the, but where the passion lies, in my opinion, is that next step. So it's like, I want to get, I want to ski the green, you know, and then it's like, you get to the green, you feel more comfortable and I want to get to the blue. And that's kind of how it is, I think, in anything like surfing, that's where that passion lies, where it's like, wow, I have a goal. Like, I want to be able to ski that blue. And then you do it. And then maybe it's like really kind of rough at first. And then next, you put more time and effort. And before you know it, you're, you're actually skiing it confidently. And so I think, and surfing is a lot like that too. And what I was seeing with the adaptive athletes, where I was like, you know what, that's just not good enough to get them in a basic wave. Like, let's get them surfing. Let's make the boards, um, you know, performance driven. Like, just because they're missing a leg doesn't mean that they can't get into challenging surf mm-hmm. with the right safety and everything like that. And so, so we started making, started teaming up with some extremely talented uh, surfboard shapers in San Diego, and we started breaking trail on adaptive surfboard designs. And, you know, now we have, like I said, uh, world champions. We have made more adaptive surfboards than any organization in the world right yeah. now. So um, it, it's just that, yeah, we've, you know, helped over 550 veterans. Not all of them are adaptive athletes. Some of them are struggling with mental health. Mm-hmm. But as far as, you know, amputees and things like that, we're just really, as a team, proud of where we're at with all these designs. Don't get me wrong. Some of these designs with, like, research and development were, like, total dogs or whatever. Or they were total just, you know, like, wow, that didn't work. But that's still a win, right? So it's like, okay, we know that doesn't work. So now let's try this type of design, and um, and that's how you know. Certainly, like it's it's the athletes who are becoming the world champions or who are on Team USA. But it's just cool to be a small spoke of, of progress of that wheel of progress for them, where it's like we're just like a little part of helping them with the right equipment and support, and um, and they're they're doing it, of course. But it's it's just really uh, cool to be a part of it, dude. I think that is. That's fucking awesome, man. I mean, that is that is so cool. I think you know we, I I looked at the website, you know, and it talked a lot about ocean therapy, and I was like trying to find like what like how does that how does it work? And I think you encapsulated it pretty well with like talking about the the challenge piece and the purpose of like meeting another challenge after another challenge, another challenge. And I could imagine, you know, at the end of those days, you know, uh, the athletes standing on shore and being like, if I could do this, like. What else could I do, you know, and how that would bleed over into the rest of their lives and that empowerment from that. And just like, you know, it goes back to, it always keeps going back to me, like is the connection, the purpose and the challenge of it all. And then like, 
And then even like, you know, I kind of geek out on the science and stuff like about like, uh, you know, negative ions in the air and stuff and how that's really yeah. good for you when you breathe it in and, and how you get a lot of that at the ocean or and, I agree. And there's moving water, you know, down on a river yes. or up in the mountains and stuff like that. Yes. And um, <clears throat> I, I even found I found one peer reviewed like research journal that talked about PTSD and talked about veterans and talked about surf therapy. So I think, yeah, man, there's a lot there. And it's just like. You're just doing such good work, man, too, with the chapters where people can can join up. And I think you have like some ambassadors out there, too. I'm, I'm pretty sure like where it's, they're not in an official chapter or maybe they're like ambassadors to the to the to the nonprofit. Is, yeah. that, is that true? Yeah, we do. Yeah, we have um, everything from, uh, you know, professional surfers uh, like Taylor Knox to, you know, businessmen. Um, uh, Francois Hautier, who's the president of uh, Ulysses Nardine, North American uh, you know, president. And so like a, a big watch company. Mm. And, um, so yeah, we have, we've been able, fortunate to have a lot of these people on our team in, in various capacities, mm-hmm. but touching on what, on what you're saying, I, I could agree some more with the, the negative ions and all of that. Like I think there is, and it's not just surfing because <clears throat> what I think is important for people is to find a, a state of flow. Right. So what I mean, you know, like a flow state where it's for surfing, you know, it's when you're catching a wave, there's nothing else that's going on than what's happening in the present. Just like you were talking about, Chris, with those distance runnings, where sometimes it's like you're just focused on your next step. And and that could be, and what I mean by flow is like, you know, you're not worried about, anxiety is not going on, which is like what hangs out in the future. So you're not worried about like, oh, I need to do this later. I need to take my kid to a game. I need to do whatever it is. It's like, you're not worried about that. And you're not, and depression's hanging out in the past. So you're not worried about, like, I should have done this. I could have done this. I regret that. It's more of like, no, you're in a state of flow. It's like, I'm just worried about that. Let's say five seconds of catching a wave, or maybe it's you're playing a guitar, you know, and, and you're just thrumming away. It's like, you're not worried about anything else except for that next guitar chord, or maybe it's, you know, whatever that sport is, or art or whatever, whatever someone is into, I think it's so great for mental health that you are just find a flow state. Maybe it's reading a book. I don't know, but Whoever that is, you know, who might be listening and maybe question yourself, like, what am I doing for my own flow state? And, uh, you know, and maybe I can incorporate it. It could be something as simple as, you know, reading a book. It doesn't have to be like, I'm going to have to go surf now or I have to go do a hundred mile run. You know what I mean? Maybe you work up to that. Maybe that is your thing. But, but you know, there. I think everyone can find that one. Maybe it's gardening. I, I don't know. But um, I think that's an important concept for uh, what we do at Wilmer Lake. But also, you're right, with the ocean, I, I, I swear, like, I've always felt i don't know if it's the, the negative ions in the water or what salt water but i've always felt better coming out of the ocean than when i went in and mm-hmm. so uh, you know if i'm struggling and i go for a surf and uh and let's say even the surf isn't that great or maybe it's perfect and somehow i'm screw up every wave i'm just mm-hmm. having an off day and frustrated regardless i'm always feeling better coming out of the water than when i went in i think there's something special about the salt water and I think also, you know, you have exercise in there that's getting those endorphins going. You have the sun giving you that natural vitamin D. So there's a lot of things yeah. going on with like outdoor activities like that. Where you just have to be surfing. I think there's there's got to be some social wellness going on there too, you know, because I mean, as yeah. veterans, especially combat veterans, you know, we're just more comfortable being in each other's space, you know, like there's a there's yeah. a definite connection there that just comes from having uh, like experiences, you know, through life, and, and you know, I think it's, I think it's awesome, man, because I, I mean, here, I mean, I just transitioned out of the military myself in December after 24 years, and you yeah. know, it's. 
it's one of those things too. It's like it's just the timing of it. And I know I might speak a little bit of your language because I know you're in school right now. Is like when we look at like uh, Eric Erickson's biosocials, like go uh, model of development, you know. And we look at like, hey, when are people yeah. coming out of the military? They're at a time in their life where they're probably about thirty-eight to forty something, you know. If they've done a full twenty to twenty-four years or whatever it may be, <clears throat> and now at that time in people's lives according to Erickson is like a time when they're trying to like make their mark on the world and they've, and they've mm -hmm. come out yeah. of like this inti intimacy versus isolation stage in their, in their thirties. And there they're probably having intimate relationships, close personal relationships with the people that they worked with day in and day out. And now that's gone. And now they've gone off to yeah. back home or wherever they may be living. And they're looking for how do I continue to make my mark on the world? So that's a, a big struggle for veterans. I know like, I've struggled with it myself, and, and thank goodness for JT Frank and Consequence of Habit and uh, My Steady Mind and the stuff I'm doing with school myself has given me some purpose and uh, to challenge myself. I just go out and run myself to death in the jungles of Thailand, and that's, that's challenging enough. <laughs> and I've made some good yeah. connections along the way. i got a lot of unique friends here. So, uh, yeah. Sure. Yeah, you know, I, I think you're, you're, you're spot on with the Erickson uh, thing. I, I think – yeah, it's also that like you know meaning and purpose. You know the whole like Victor Frankel, not to just start dropping names here, but like you know like <laughs> if anybody like wants a great book to read, you know Victor Frankel's man's search for meaning, and, and yeah. essentially his whole theory is is finding you know meaning and purpose in life. And I think when you go to retire, you have that meaning and purpose. Let's say whatever it was in the military, whatever your job was, you know you had status, right? If you've been in let's say twenty years, you have you know you go up in rank. Right. And so now you're, you, have a little, you know, people can look at your uniform and be like, oh, that's a certain right. Like you have that status. But when you now when you get out, and, you know, in, in a 20 year career, so, you know, all the ins and outs. But, you know, now when you get out, people are like, yeah, cool. Thanks for your service. Um, anyway, so that's you know, what, <laughs> you know, and, and you're kind of like, what? but yeah, you know, all right, I get it. Like, I don't have, you know, it, it's weird. It, it's, yeah. And I don't mean that, like, people have to have status. I just mean, of like, you know, you've worked hard for 20 years and now you're starting from scratch i think that's kind of what you're getting out with the ocean thing where it's like wow like okay i you know a normal career i'd be like moving up into the c-suite let's say at a business but now um i'm starting as a new guy like we both are in, in grad school you know <laughs> trying to figure out like transition right. into a new new path in our life to where we'll be new guys again which i think is is really important but finding that purpose is is a hard part yeah, because we start thinking about legacy at this point, you know, once you're starting to reach uh, uh, middle adulthood. Um, but I think also with the military, to your point, is like you're given that purpose like right away. You sign up and you put on the uniform and like, here's your purpose. It's right there on the wall. Like read the mission statement. That's it. You, there's your purpose. And you've got you've got a lot of clout. Like we've got a we've got a lot of equipment here that's really cool, and we're gonna go around the world and do some fun stuff. So you've already got it. Like yeah. it's there. You just join in, and and you're like, whoa! The train leaves the station, and you're on it. You know, and then uh, exactly. so yeah, if you don't if if you don't plan the transition properly or successfully, or some things happen, like you can you can really get caught up. So I think it's awesome that there's organizations like One More Wave out there that are helping people, man. I think you're doing you're doing good work, Alex. And and then your work continues because I know you're you're going to Pepperdine, right? That's huge. You're you're a, I am. You're a college student. So am I. Yes. Yeah, I know. Yeah, look at us. Look at I us. saw this. Uh, I was actually thinking of us uh, yesterday. There was a uh, a picture. Uh, I don't know on social media of Adam Sandler. Um, 
What when does he go back to school? What was that movie where he's like, I know you're talking about, like, he's the dude that, yeah, yeah, so, desk or whatever, yeah. yeah, yeah. So he's like, you know, back in elementary school to get his, you know, I don't know, high school diploma. And, and he's there sitting, he's sitting there with all these kids. And it said, when I finally get around to using my GI Bill, and it right. shows, you know, growing up with all these kids, and I was like, oh, that's totally us in, in school, <laughs> um, at least my experience, but yeah. You know, I'm I'm uh, going to school to become a licensed professional counselor, awesome. uh, and at Pepperdine, and I yeah, I'm I'm excited, man. I, I don't know how you know. I'd love to hear how things are going for you, but it, like I'm you know really enjoying it. I've, uh, you know, with the mental health aspect, I've just found that new passion, and I can't wait to, uh, you know, really get those reps under my belt to where I feel comfortable as a as a therapist to mm-hmm. to be able to. To help people and uh and i yeah that's where i'm at with it but i actually love to hear how are things going with you in school things are going well man i'm a straight a student <laughs> yeah. nice yeah yeah, yeah i've been at it for i've been at it since january so i too am going to school to be a social worker uh with arizona state university and i'm doing it all remotely online um i really am a straight a student right now and i'm doing an internship right now with a mental oh. well-being app called hear me and Hear Me is wow, an app cool. where it's free for now and people, it's global. And if, if people just want to talk about anything, there's also, they can talk about categories, but if they just want to talk and they can text into this app yeah. and there may be a guy or a gal, much like myself on the other end, that's going to talk to them. Because uh, I think, cool. uh, you know, the, the research says that loneliness is the equivalent of smoking 15 cigarettes a day for your overall health. And we are probably the most lonely society that the uh, planet has known, even though we're very well connected. We're very, very lonely society. So, yeah, that's what I'm doing, man. And I'm just like you. I just want to help some people. And uh, that's it. You know, I I don't know where it will end up. Uh, I'm big into mindfulness and meditation as well. I do uh, meditation. I'm doing a meditation teacher certification here in Thailand as well. So we'll see. Awesome. We're, we're just going to combine it all, man. Who knows? Maybe someday I can sit on the beach and lead a meditation for you guys before you, you hit the surf. <laughs> That'd be awesome. That'd be yeah, all man. about it. Yeah, you let me know when. For sure. <laughs> but yeah, cool. Uh, is there anything we missed? I don't know. We, we talked a lot. I, um, <laughs> yeah, we did talk a lot. And I, and I, and I tend to just run my mouth. So let me think. Uh, yeah, I'd like to hear more about Chiang Mai and, and all of that. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, your transition. If you don't mind, I mean, I know, you know, no, like, no, no. How, how was it? this is, this is, this is your episode, but, uh, yeah, I've, I'm, I'm so, um, um, self-obsessed that I could talk about myself for the next half hour. <laughs> 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 now, nah, but, you know, and so my transition for folks who don't know is, uh, I transitioned out of the Navy in December of 21. Um, I was in Japan. I flew from Japan with my wife and my two daughters, my one daughter being uh, about what she was seven months old at the time. And we flew from Japan all the way to Seattle. From Seattle, I got out of the military. I drove down the coast to San Diego. Then I drove my truck all the way across America, stopping in places along the way. Lived in New York for a little bit, sold my truck, bought a ticket, one-way ticket to Thailand, <laughs> landed here in December. And we've been here ever since. I live in Chiang Mai, Thailand, in a uh, a nice big house. And my kids, uh, my nine-year-old's gonna start going to international school. Like, it's great, man. And um, the whole reason I did it is because I just wasn't done. I wasn't done having adventures, man. I just want to keep having adventures. I couldn't, 
I couldn't stand the thought of going back to my hometown and, and finding a job and, you know, having something like that. So I was like, no, nah, I'm just going to follow my heart and uh, do what my heart tells me. And my heart told me to, to keep uh, having adventures and, and move to Thailand. And uh, we shipped all our stuff from Japan to from uh, Tokyo to Bangkok and cleared customs. And we have all our stuff here. And not having yeah. my stuff for six months made me realize how much I don't need stuff. <laughs> I, just, exactly. I, need, I, need, I need life experience. <laughs> like I need good coffee. And I need like a piece of cake and I need like life experience. I need to be outside yeah. and be around my family, but I don't need my stuff <laughs> for, right. for, for all that much. It's I lived out of suitcase for six months and it was good. Yeah, man. Yeah. So it's all good here, bro. It's uh, it's all good. Yeah. I've taken over the, I've taken over the podcast and nonprofits next. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but it's kind of yeah. funny that I'm, I'm hosting the podcast right now because, um, uh, I was, I was guest number 50 on the podcast and I joked, I was like, I'm the guest that just wouldn't leave. I'm like the guy that's in your house at like 9.30 at night and you're yawning and being like, oh, I got to get up early in the morning. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. The dude's like, like cool, got any yeah. more vinyl I can check out? Yeah, totally. <laughs> it's like, oh, you know, we really got to get up. You just oh, yeah, I'd love to play, bro. Okay. <laughs> I think it works fine. <laughs> yeah. So I just didn't leave and now uh, JT was uh, gracious enough to say, hey, why don't you host one of the podcast episodes or maybe it'll continue. I don't know. We're just trying to trying to spice things up a little bit, man. So uh, cool. give JT a break. He does about one of these a week. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah, man. Cool. Well, again, Alex, man, I appreciate you coming on, brother. I'm really, uh, I think your story is amazing. I think you're, you're amazing. And uh I totally support what you guys got going on and we'll put links to one more wave in the, in the show notes. And, uh, yeah, man, just, uh, keep crushing it, brother. Yeah. Thanks, Chris. And yeah, thanks for having me on, man. It's always great to be able to catch up with an old friend. And, uh, and I'm really excited about the path that you're on. It's, uh, it's exciting. So yeah, I look forward to the next time we link up. Hell yeah. All right, man. Cool. And that's it. We're out. Everybody, that's a wrap. Like always, thanks again for checking us out. This show is brought to you by the team here at Consequence of Habit and is an arm of our 501c3 nonprofit. The show is produced and edited by the one and only Anthony Palmer and is part of the Palm Tree Pod Company network of podcasts. That's it. I'll catch you guys next week.